This is RPCC On Air. And we're back for episode 13 of RPCC On Air. Say it with me, Jeff. Remote. Remote. Uh, we are happy to be back uh, for another episode. Um, a little bit more typical episode today. We're going to be talking to candidates as well as uh, RPCC membership about some of the ways they're communicating. Um, we'll also cover in the last segment a little bit of uh, normal news uh, and the executive director's report, political news, I should say. Uh, but, you know, again, we had promised the uh, community of the RPCC to make sure that we had candidates on uh, to have that one-on-one kind of experience and you be able to hear from a candidate uh, right in your living room and not even have to go to a local club meeting. So today we're really happy to have Mr. Rob Weber. Rob, how are you? I'm doing well. Great to be here. How about you guys? It's all right. I don't know about Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. A little bit tired, but you know, this beautiful Saturday, enjoying it all, kind of getting some work done and hopefully going to enjoy the rest of my day after this. Great, great, great. Well, Rob is our candidate for uh, the Congressional 9th District. That's correct, right, Rob? The 9th District? That's right, 9th District. All right. Uh, Rob is a uh, a first-time candidate, correct? That's correct. First-time candidate. Uh, So we usually, how we do this, is we kind of give a little background about Rob and and, and tell you who he is, and then we allow him to kind of elaborate on those kind of points. So uh, Rob is a West Point grad of the year of our Lord of 1995. Um, I was four, just so everyone's counting. he is a Army veteran, uh, tank battalion. So he's he he knows what it's like to be on the battlefield year, b- battlefield there. Uh, Ohio State law graduate and a University of Louisville MBA graduate. Which uh, you know what's coming next, Jeff. I'm not going to hold it against you um, because I went to the University of Kentucky, Rob. So those dirty birds got nothing on those Wildcats. I just want to make that really clear. Um, Additionally, as a professional, uh, he has a 17-year trial lawyer history here. Uh, civically, he is involved with the Goodwill Industries of Lorain County. Lorain County. Um, and he's also a board on the board of directors at, I guess you'll say this, NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, also in Lorain County. County. Um, a Rotary member, uh, NRA member, um, just all around. A good old uh, Republican lawyer who's committed to the community. Um, so, Rob, once again, it's really good to have you. Um, and and I guess I'll start out this first question here with, uh, with a background like yours, um, which takes you all the way from the courtroom to the battlefield, uh, what kind of motivated you to take on politics at this point? Sure. As a youth in, in high school, I was, uh, although these kind of clubs didn't exist when I was young, 35 years ago, but, you know, I guess you would call me a young Republican and was active in informal groups that way. And uh, my family, uh, while we were very modest people, we were a very politically interested family. And and so I I grew up with that. Um, And then when I went to West Point, uh, unlike uh, some of these guys that you see now, these military guys that are being political while they wear a uniform. Uh, those years trained me and taught me that while you're serving, you know, basically you should be apolitical and keep, you know, you're, obviously you're allowed to have your opinions, but sort of to keep them to yourself. Um, but the one thing about West Point is uh, our mission statement was not just to build an, uh, good junior officers for active duty, but to build leaders of character for a lifetime of service to nation. So that kind of came into play for me about, you know, in 2016 when I saw President Trump run his first campaign and get elected. And I started thinking about uh, giving back in that way. Jeff, do you have anything? Uh, Yeah. So Rob, can you kind of elaborate a little bit more for us on just kind of what you do with the Goodwill industries and then also um something that i'm always interested in is mental health so the national alliance of mental health 
mental illness is something that is kind of key to me. So can you just tell us kind of what you've been up to with that and just give a little bit more information for us? Sure. And, and I'll just jump back a little bit before that even and about my, uh, my background and my career. Uh, the one thing you motivating me to get into political leadership is in one form or another, starting with my leadership in the Army, where I was what you would call a junior officer, where basically my job, when you get down to it, my job was to take care of my soldiers and to set the conditions for them to be successful. And then the kind of law that I went into, I went into a very service-oriented kind of law, representing individual people in their times of need. Um, there's all kinds of lawyers and they're all needed, but I really wasn't a big business, multi-million or billion dollar corporate lawyer. I really right. did help individual folks, regular folks, and I'm very proud of that. Um, so, uh, and, and so basically in one form or another, my entire professional life has been very service oriented and, and that just segued right into uh, getting into political leadership. And the one motivation is, and, and kind of a, a, an analogy or, or, or summary, you know, I, I maybe represent two or 300 people at a time, whereas now in the 9th Congressional District, there's several hundred thousand people. And I, I felt like this was a way where I could influence a much larger body of uh, folks in, in the Ohio area by, by getting into political leadership. So with that on the boards, uh, Goodwill is just a very good organization to be part of. I was on that board for four or five years, culminating in the last year. Um, I was uh, uh, you know, very graciously allowed to be director. Now I've had to resign since then to, to run this campaign full time. Um, mm -hmm. But they do really good things. One thing about Goodwill people don't know is it really isn't about selling clothes at stores. Um, that is just simply the, the fundraising arm where Goodwill does not really rely on a lot of traditional charitable fundraising, that then that money is all used to helping the underserved, um, special needs, a lot of folks transitioning from prison or, or jail, uh, to train them and, and make them employable, uh, which goes right with what President Trump's criminal justice reform uh, uh, efforts have done of really helping those people in the community. Um, NAMI is something I'm really proud of. Uh, again, National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, I think that is sort of one of the, the red stepchildren issue in America today. People talk about drugs and violence and you know families, all sorts of problems. No one really wants to talk about mental illness. Um, you know, inside of that, that arena, there's a, a term, it's called dual diagnosis, where often any form of addiction, but whether it be alcohol or drugs, um, really often, uh, more likely than not, really that is a self-treating masking uh, for the underlying mental illness condition. So I do think that is an issue that we need to be more aggressive about and, and I would advocate for uh, when elected is that to get to the root, instead of treating the symptoms, to try to get to the root cause and really help. There's a massive mental illness problem uh, throughout society that we kind of ignore. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you that, and that's awesome to hear. I always love hearing people that are going out there and doing things to kind of better the whole society on everything that's happening with mental health. Um, it just, it kind of touches me dear too. Um, the one thing too that I kind of wanted to touch back on that you mentioned is that you were kind of there to serve people. So obviously yeah. as an elected official, yeah. you are going to serve everyone. You're going to represent, you're the sole person that is there to represent them for things that they need done. So kind of looking at what's going on right now in District 9, we have Marcy Kafter there. And what has she been doing for Ohio? She's been there for a while. And well, she's that, that, voted on a lot of different things, but kind of, kind of give us some thought here. Well, you guys laughed, uh, Colin laughed about 1995 and being five years old or something like that. The <laughs> so Marcy Kaptur has been a congressperson since I was nine years old. And, and I'm not old, but I'm, you know, certainly probably in that middle age category of 47. But, you know, I, I, that is such a statement. Since I was a nine-year-old child, she's been in Congress. And I, I know our yet. founding fathers what? never envisioned professional careerist politicians like that uh, 
In particular, she never really moved up the chain of command, if you will. It's not like she, she advanced to Senate or advanced the cabinet or you know foreign service. She literally has sat in the same congressional seat for 38 years. Um, and what has she done? Uh, well, it's easy to be armchair quarterback, but, but I will say this, you know, we, we've done some, some comparison, you know, people like Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, other similar famous politicians that have been there forever as well, of which, frankly, uh, Marcy Kaptur has more tenure than almost all of them. She's only passed five bills in 38 years that have gone through and, and turned into law. Um, wow. And that, that's unbelievable. What? The next lowest for someone of, of her range of tenure, you know, 30, 40 some years, is literally over 100. Uh, that's, what, that's what a congressperson should be doing. That's what's typical. Marcy Captors passed five bills, of which two or three of them are essentially uh, monument, namesake type bills, naming some memorial or, or, or creating a holiday, something like that. So she hasn't done a lot legislatively. Uh, and I think the ninth district deserves someone that's gonna be an advocate for this region, someone that really is gonna drive and bring uh, fun money in from Congress to this area, particularly right. the economy, a job situation. You know, we've all seen it. The manufacturing along the North Coast, Cleveland all the way out to Toledo has been devastated. And you need someone that is really going to be aggressive and be proactive to look for opportunities to bring money into the region and create high quality, good paying jobs. Well, I, 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 you know, you say that Marcy hasn't done a lot for the region, but I'll tell you some of the things that she has tried to do. She's tried to uh, basically ban all semi uh, automatic um, rifles and, and try to stifle gun control. Uh, she uh, also voted for the $3 trillion COVID-19 relief, which the Democrats tried to pass with all types of pork in it. Uh, Jeff, that's what we call a pork roll. We talked yeah. about that for a whole episode a couple weeks ago. Um, and then even now, uh, amidst COVID-19, she's supporting a government uh, uh, kind of uh, handout to nonprofit and, and, and local hospitals and things of that nature to do contract tracing for COVID-19. Um, I don't know how you all feel about that, but contact tracing sounds uh, so Orwellian to me. It sounds like something that uh, if I wanted anyone to do it, first of all, I wouldn't want the government to do it, but I definitely don't want the government spending millions and millions of millions of dollars to empower other individuals to follow me around and to invade my own privacy. So those are the things that you see out of uh, Marcia Captor. Oh, and by the way, uh, she is a big proponent of AOC and the Green Deal um, and making sure that she's tearing apart uh, energy in this country as we know it. So uh, she, if she wasn't doing anything, Rob, she was doing a really good job of tearing apart the American dream. Um, well, what, what I'd say with her is earlier in her career, she did a good job of portraying as a moderate and, and I think that was a portrayal as opposed to reality. Now, in the, in the last five to 10 years, she has really shifted. Uh, her, her abortion stance has changed where she is absolutely in favor of all these very late-term abortions. Um, you know, the, the reality is this. Marcy Kaptur has become a socialist. She supports that arm or wing of the party. She uh, was, is one of... Um, Bernie Sanders' biggest supporters uh, in Congress. She continues to be, even though he's not the presidential candidate. As you said, Colin, uh, she has fallen under the AOC uh, wing of the party. And some examples uh, of this and why it's so dangerous. And it's a great talking point. You know, th this is a show where largely conservatives will listen. But it's a great talking point for your independent-minded folks or your independents that, for whatever reason, lean left. But a lot of those people and the majority of those people are not socialists. You know, they don't want to see massive gun control. So that bill, uh, HR House Bill 5717 uh, that Captor supports uh, is a bill that basically eliminates almost all guns in America. It eliminates all semi-automatic weapons. And in the handgun arena, 
that is essentially every single handgun that exists is, a, is by definition, a semi-automatic. So, so Rob, that's something that we cannot have. I think uh, we're going to use this phrase in the next se segment, um, a closet conservative uh, or, or a conservative closet. Um, I think uh, um, uh, Marcy is one who was in a radical leftist socialist closet, and now she's completely come out of it. Um, so yeah. very quickly, Rob, because we got, we got about 20, 35, 35 seconds here. Um, when you're elected, because that's what we do on this show, we claim it before it happens. When you're elected to Congress in the 9th District of Ohio, what can voters expect from you? Voters can expect a, a congressman that respects the Constitution. Uh, they can expect a congressman that, I, I say, with the exception of national security, a congressman that's going to put the issues of the 9th District of the North Coast of Ohio at the front and center, that I will vote, regardless of party politics, for things that benefit the 9th District, too many of these guys, including Marcy Kaptur, all her money comes from the coasts, particularly the Washington, D.C. area. Too many of these congressmen truly uh, fall prey to West Coast and East Coast politics and vote for issues that favor those big money as opposed to taking care of their district. So when I become a congressman, I'm going to be an advocate for the 9th District of Ohio. Uh, and again, regardless of party politics, I'm going to do what's right right for the Northern District of Ohio. I love it. Jeff, how, how, what do you think about that? How'd that sound to you? That's great. I mean, just hearing someone that's willing to be there and listen to the people and actually do something, take some action. I mean, obviously, from what we heard, there's not much action going on over there. No. So, so everyone, uh, Rob Weber, Congressional District 9 in Ohio, the public servant, the veteran, um, the the true true red, I'll say, Republican in, in every sense of the word, and he's willing to fight for you. So uh, you do your part. You make sure you visit his website, which we'll actually put in the link of this episode. Make sure that you're following him on his social media, um, and make sure that most importantly, in those months leading up to November, that you're checking his name on the ballot. Rob, thank you for being here. We really appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed it, and um, you know. It was great talking to you. It's great. I'll just add Rob Weber for Congress.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at West Point Weber. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You too. Appreciate it. That'll end segment one of RPCC on air, episode 13. Uh, say it with me, Jeff. Remote. Remote. How will 2020 census data be used? Where there are more people, there are more needs for public services. That's why the census is used by the government to inform funding decisions each year. But that's not all. It's also used by nonprofits to inform services, by businesses to create jobs, and even by students for school projects. Understanding how the population changes helps us shape communities across the country for the better. Shape your future. Start here. Visit 2020census.gov. This is RPCC On Air. And we're back for segment two of episode 13 of RPCC On Air. Say it with me, Jeff. Remote. Remote. Uh, we are uh, going to bring back a segment we haven't done in a couple weeks here. Keeping it local. Keeping it local. And what's more local than your own central committee per people of the RPCC? Jeff, how much do we love our central committee? Oh, we love them. They're the they're the heart and soul of our committee. I mean, they make up the RPCC. I mean, without them, yeah. we don't have any grassroots. Not at all. Not at all. And and I think you know people think of central committee people as your door knockers and your phone callers. But we're going to talk to two individuals who are actually new central committee people, um, not new Republicans, but new central committee people that are doing something outside of just knocking doors and making phone calls. And we want to talk to them in particular because it shows that you can still be spreading the message about the party, about Republicans, and not be uh, wearing your shoe leather out or uh, running up your local phone bill. So today we have the host of another podcast that you all should listen to, uh, The Closet Conservative, uh, that is produced right here in Cleveland, Ohio. We have Miss Courtney McLean. How are you doing, Courtney? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm well. I'm well. And Miss Darlene Jackson. No, we are not related, but we could be. We could be. <laughs> we could and Colin, I do, 
Colin, I do want to give a quick little correction. It's yeah. out of the conservative closet. Oh, out of okay. the conservative closet. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm with you now. I'm I, I'm liking it. <laughs> out of the conservative closet. Okay. Awesome. So we're we're going to talk a little bit more about the podcast um, in just one second. But I want to talk to both of you all. Um, and you know, I I I I know you all personally, but I um I want I want the listeners to know as well. So um just really basically, where did you guys grow up? Um and um you know what was what was your political background like and what was and what was like the experience that went with that you want to go down no you go okay um i'm from shaker heights um ohio so, me too yeah, yeah shaker Red Red Raiders. Raiders. <laughs> um but um i grew up all my life in shaker a little bit in new york but um really growing up my dad was in the home, but he wasn't really like connected with me. But all mm -hmm. my life, um, my dad was a Republican and I never knew. Um, growing up in the black community, like many others, we vote Democrat. That's what we do. Um, it was only, I would say in the last maybe 10, 15 years that I transitioned from voting Democrats to voting Republican. And it was really mm -hmm. um, a spiritual awakening, per se. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would agree. I, yeah, Courtney, I did have an opportunity to meet your dad. And, and when I tell you, he is a old school Republican uh, yes. through and through. He is, it, he, can tell, he can tell you some stories. If you want to know, like, um, if you want to meet Google in person, as far as, like, <laughs> Black history, political, that's my dad. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yep. Darlene? Yeah, true. I also graduated from Shaker, but then I, well, I'm sorry, I grew up in Shaker, but I graduated from Warrensville, but I lived in Shaker all of my life, so I still identify as a Shaker Rare Raider. Okay. But um, same thing, similar, you know, my family, like a lot of Blacks, we are conservative by nature based on our, you know, Christian background, so we are conservative, I believe, more than we think, but we vote Democrat. And so that was what my family was, that we would talk about spiritual principles, but I didn't see that when it came to voting. They would tell me, okay, it's time to vote. So let's go out and go ahead and just vote D all the way down. And so I did not get an experience of voting Republican until I got older. And then that was probably with um, Bush and his, second term and then um, with Donald Trump. And so now I am completely a conservative and I will never be going back unless God tells me to himself. <laughs> okay. All right. That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. Uh, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dominate this entire segment, Jeff. So I'm gonna let you get a question in. Um, but I, I, I but you guys you made an interesting point there, Darlene, that up until it became time to vote, you all were taught to be strong Christian up exactly. until the time where it became time to vote. And then you would do something other. Um, a lot of times I talk to people about voting their values um, mm -hmm. and whatever your values are, you need to carry those with you in the ballot box. So can you explain what it is for some African-Americans to carry these conservative or Christian values up until the moment when they need to go into the voting I think there's been a disconnect mm -hmm. in, in the teachings of Christianity and the faith as far as Sunday mornings, we go to church and we listen to the pastor speaking, but the pastors and a lot of the teachers to me and the churches I went to, they never talked about voting. They never made lesson plans, well not lesson plans, but uh, Sunday school um, teachings or pastoral teachings on the issues like abortion or the issues of immorality as far as um, having a lot of sex outside of marriage and producing unwanted pregnancy, which leads to wanting to have an abortion. Like there, and then when you go and vote, understanding that there is a political party that wants to continue to give you access to um, birth control so that you can keep having immor immoral sex, so that you can keep having unwed births and then continue to use abortion, we never connect the dots. And so I believe that that's one of the things we need to do as 
and I'm an assistant pastor, so I'm trying to use my platform and my voice to begin to break that that cycle of silence and say, if we believe in according to the scriptures and our spiritual values, and we live that way Monday through Sunday, we have to also continue that even when it's time to vote every year, twice a year, or every four years. We don't put that on the shelf and then say, okay, now let me put on my worldly hat and all of my worldly knowledge, and now let me go vote. And then now that I'm voting, I'm gonna take this worldly hat off and my worldly mm. values and put it back on the shelf. And now I can go back to shouting in church and I can go on about acting like I'm a Christian. We gotta connect the dots. And I'm guilty of that as far as not being strong enough in my faith years ago. But I know better now, and I think when you know better, you do better. Yeah, what we've done is we've allowed the culture to speak louder than, yeah. than our, our Christian beliefs and our, our Christian life. And if you connect the dots, and even like abortion, and you go back, you will see that um, under the umbrella of Planned Parenthood and the history, there's only one party that supports that, right? If you follow the dots, as far as even where we are in this country today with racism and slavery. There's only one party that mm. uh, supported those efforts. And let me tell you, it was not the Republican Party. The Republican Party is the party that abolished slavery. The Republican Party is the party that supports life. So as a believer, you're going to align yourself with the party that is for life. All life. All life. All life. That's awesome. So before I kind of segue into talking about out of the conservative closet, I just had a quick question for both of you. You're both new Central Committee members. Mm -hmm. I personally just wanted to know, how did both of you become involved with the Republican Party of Cuyahoga County? <laughs> well, uh, <coughs> there, you there's, some, there's somebody on this Zoom conference uh, that said, hey, you guys want to be part of this central committee? And we were like, huh, okay. Sure. <laughs> hey, so I got I to gotta give my man props. <laughs> he was like, Bro. yeah, you know, you only have to meet maybe one, two times out of the year. And so we are just really new to all of this. Mm -hmm. Right. Taking it all in. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So now can you kind of touch base on the values that you have with your own podcast that you have going on and kind of just give us an, a quick look at what to expect if we were to listen? Um, well, our, the, the basis of our podcast is the values are on faith and family. And that's what we promote because I believe that's what the conservative Christian values of the Republican Party also stand by, which is um, the family unit is the strongest unit. And that to me, um, it also aligns with our faith because God created family in the beginning. And so what we wanna do on our show is talk about things that are going on in the culture, but also begin to relate and tie them together so that even though we may not hear it on Sunday mornings, you might be able to catch it on our podcast and say, you know what? I never thought about how this Black Lives Matter might not be something I should support because their ideology doesn't align with my faith. So let me pull back on that. We don't talk about enough how our values of faith and family and what we believe according to the scriptures tie into everything that's going on in our culture. And like Courtney said, Sometimes we let the culture speak louder. So we want to use our platform to be the voice of conservative principles, family and values, and tie that in with what's going on in the world, but look at it from a conservative perspective. And yeah, we know darling. That. darling, before you, before, you, before you go there, Courtney, um, I think you bring up a good point about Black Lives Matter, the organization, and how they, uh, they, their agenda doesn't represent ours. But one thing that you also said uh, is in the Christian Christian view of things that all life is valuable. Um, mm -hmm. So in the last episode, we talked about separating Black Lives Matter, the organization, from the sentiment. Um, and I think that's really important. So I just don't, I just don't, because I know you, Darlene, and I know you have children. I know their Black Lives Matter to you. Um, so I, but you know, the organization and the sentiment are two separate things. So we want to keep those uh, definitely separate. Um, and respect Black Lives, and maybe get rid of the Black Lives Matter organization. At least that's my opinion. I don't know, Courtney. 
I mean, I would say, you know, let's change it to uh, justice for life. Mm. You know? Um, That's good. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. Sorry, um, I, hit the, I hit the wrong button. Um, uh, but go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, in regards to our conservative values, we really wanted to have a platform, too, because out of the conservative closet, the um, the left, the Democrats, the liberals, they're so vocal. And so we've got very comfortable at being silent. And so mm -hmm. when Darlene and I first started out, we were looking around on social media and saying, hey, uh, is there anybody like us? And we saw that there were voices on the liberal side that, you know, they were definitely out there, but we were kind of standing on an island by ourselves. So we started to reach out to other conservatives and it, it was like a family reunion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, wow, we have now family and friends far and wide throughout the United States. So we are really excited about that. Yeah. Well, it, it's great that that you guys now have a platform to communicate with your family. You know, you're with your conservative <laughs> family, family. It's on like a family newsletter. Um, and the values of the show are very important. We're coming to the end of our segment here, so I, I just kind of want to talk about a, a, a kind of broader question. Um, you know, your podcast is called Out of the Conservative Closet. Um, I think very briefly, like 30 seconds a piece, if you guys could both tell me, um, how do you think that we get more conservatives out of the closet um, and supporting not only the principles of Republican, um, but also the president? Well, for one, we can't walk in fear. So, you know, and we have to be a little bit more visible. We have to be a little bit more vocal. And so there's power in numbers. And so we have to start coming together um, both black conservatives, white conservatives, um, because like I said, there's power in numbers. And so when you look around within, within the Democratic Party, they're out there. Mm -hmm. When you look around with the, in, within the Republican Party, you know, the community saying, where are you? We don't see you, especially black conservatives. Yeah, there's definitely uh, uh, a zero uh, presence that I have never seen until I joined the Republican Party. I didn't even know that we had this many Black conservatives. I just don't see you guys. And so I think when you when we're seen and a lot of faces can now put, oh, there's Black women and they're, they're not old Black women and they're conservative. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe that too. It's getting out because that's how our show started is we started with trying to have an event called Out of the Conservative Closet event. So the that. more we maybe get together as a Republican Party to be seen in our community, we can do events like that, that would bring our faces to other communities to let them know, like she said, you're not alone. Yeah, and um, what I'll say, Jeff, uh, Jeff, you can you can close the segment because again, I'm I'm shutting you out of a segment. And I feel hey, really man, bad. No, it's fine. Just keep rolling. Um, You're doing a good job. So you know, even even I'll be candid with one of you guys. With you guys, it's like you know, some of the criticisms I get is that Colin, you're always out in the community. You're always doing something, but it doesn't seem like you're necessarily promoting Republicans. And what I tell people is that exactly what you're saying. There was no presence of Black Republicans in this community at all at all so even knowing my face and knowing what i do is a start to us having that to conversation but without me being there without us having a presence doing things like the census doing things like being at food banks we'll never be able to have that out of the closet conservative conversation you can't have that unless you're a trusted community member so exactly what you guys are doing is what we need more um uh, more minority Republicans doing because you know you're you're in a virtual space out in the community and that's just mm -hmm. as important as knocking doors um, and making phone calls which I know you guys are also doing as right. well. So uh, Jeff, I'll let you close the segment. I I want to say thank you to both of you. I love hearing about your podcast. I'm it's I think it's just absolutely amazing and awesome that we have other people out there that are trying to do the same things that we are. We're getting that outreach, communicating with people, and just telling them that, hey, your values do align with our party. It's just that you weren't able to get this information.
information. So we are going to provide it for you. Exactly. So I absolutely love it. Thank you again for being on here. Appreciate it, Colin. Thank you for getting them involved with us. And at this point, we'll end uh, segment two of RPCC on air. And Colin, say it with me. Remote. Remote. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. How will 2020 census data be used? Where there are more people, there are more needs for public services. That's why the census is used by the government to inform funding decisions each year. But that's not all. It's also used by nonprofits to inform services, by businesses to create jobs, and even by students for school projects. Understanding how the population changes helps us shape communities across the country for the better. Shape your future. Start here. Visit 2020census.gov. This is RPCC On Air. Oh my gosh, Jeff. I think we made it to the just about the end of another episode, man. It's crazy. Episode yeah. 13, man. Episode yeah, 13. Okay. Forget about that. that, like by three, that's 39 segments, man. <laughs> We've done 39 segments of this, isn't this crazy? Yeah, yeah. So, it's it, good times, though. It I is, mean, it is. Know, and it, people are listening. People are listening, yeah. man. We appreciate the people that listen. And then also, on it, it's a great opportunity for all of our candidates with everything that's going on right now just to be a way to talk to the people. Yeah. So, well, you know, we are enjoying this. And uh, I guess, you know, we're going we're gonna to dust off another segment. <laughs> Uh, the executive director's desk. Um, and in this one, we're going to talk about something we normally only talk about a chairman's report, kind of national news and, and what's going on with Republicans um, around the nation. So, I mean, Jeff, you did a good job of leading that last segment. So do you want to start this one off too? Sure, why not? The way that, um, so what we'll get into right now is just what Senator Tim Scott kind of had going on right now. and how basically the uh, Democrats were just like, F you, we don't want any part of this. So, I mean, he was sitting there, he wants to put in a reform and it was just a reform for police. And from what I'm reading too, which kind of ticks me off right now and just rereading his quote that he had is that he was willing to work with everyone on this. And the only way that we're going to stop the problems that we have right now is working together. And from what I'm seeing with his police reform bill is basically everyone on the other side of the aisle didn't want a part of it. They didn't want anything to do with it. They didn't want to provide the opportunity to work together to get this in front of the president. They just don't care. So, I mean, so starting off on that basis, kind of not even getting into the details of what he wanted to do or how he wanted to go about things that's that's it sucks i mean you and me both know that to get things done nowadays and to do what's right for the people of america that you are going to have to extend that hand across the aisle you are going to have to talk to other people and from what i'm seeing right now is that the left doesn't want to do anything they don't want to talk to us they don't want to part of us right now I don't know what your thoughts are about that before we even talk about the details. That's kind of just what I want to touch base on right now is what are we doing? I mean, we talk about unity. We talk about how we're supposed to be there for everyone. We talk about all these great things that are going on right now, about how we're supposed to provide this information, how we're supposed to help each other, how we're supposed to acknowledge things, how we're not supposed to sit there in silence. I don't want to sit in silence because, hey, the Democrats didn't come up with this idea, so we don't want to do it. Okay, we are never letting Jeff open a segment again. He just, <laughs> just went off. You, you're really upset there. Okay, all right. Um, so f j just like, you're right, bro. You're 100% you're right. But just so anybody who doesn't know, and you've been kind of living under the rock for the last two or three months, uh, police interactions with African-Americans and even, you know, white Americans at this point um, have not always been the best. And at this point in the country, um, with everything going on around us and civil unrest, there's been a need to actually come up with real solutions. Uh, the Democrats released a bill uh, maybe a few weeks ago that basically banned a whole bunch of things, uh, banned chokeholds, um, uh, wanting to invest in uh, uh, community solutions, 
um, you know, just a lot of a lot of laws without a lot of teeth to them. Um, uh, Senator Sky, as we'll talk about later in the segment, actually came with the teeth uh, followed by following behind the president's executive order um, recommending the um, uh, uh, changes in use of force and essentially recommending that everyone just ban chokeholds so we don't get in these situations again, particularly like the one we saw with George Floyd. But to your point, Jeff, um, the same thing we were talking about with uh, COVID-19 and slowing up of the stimulus checks, uh, no one on the left side of the aisle wants to be the one to say, yeah, the Republicans had a good idea and or, or, or should I say or, would rather the American people, um, particularly minority groups and those who are underserved in our communities, to suffer mm -hmm. rather than give a Republican even one single bone. Um, and, you know, we, we said it was shameful uh, when it happened with COVID-19, uh, and that was only a few months ago. And now here we are again, seeing the same shameful partisan action uh, that serves no one but political party and elected officials and, and, and candidates in particular. So, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I think that, you know, I, I believe it was Shay Hawkins, one of our own, uh, Cuyahoga County members that wrote this, his op-ed in the wall street journal that we shared oh, yeah. very recently is that, uh, the difference between what Republicans and Democrats want to do right now is Republicans right now want to solve the problem and put things in place to do that. Democrats want to use it as a election talking point to win an election. And that right there tells you um, where we are as a country as far as partisanship goes. So I'm right with you, man. I'm, I'm just as upset. And, um, you know, these are the type of things that we need to talk about so that people can open their eyes to uh, the games that are being played literally with people's lives. And the great thing that I think that what Shay said is amazing is that he is actually a candidate for House 6 right now, and he wants action. He wants this stuff done. He wants what's better for the community, and sitting there and looking at it as an opportunity of being, hey, this could be something that we could run on and get so-and-so into this spot. So that's what I love about it, too. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, the Democratic bill, I, I, you know, I honestly can't read most of these things that you know they're talking about but i think the point in that in even reading both of the bills is to compare and contrast and again shay very elegantly did this for us in the wall mm -hmm. street journal um article so i'll read some of the things and th there's a list of about seven or eight so the first thing is that um both bills wanted to limit the use of chokeholds and enforcement um, they wanted to address no-knock warrants, increase the use of body cameras with law enforcement, increase transparency and misconduct uh, records, um, incorporate nearly identical provisions from the Justice for Victims of Lynching Act that would make lynching a federal hate crime. I don't know if anyone knows, but technically lynching right now is not a federal hate crime, which is appalling to me. Um, they, they want to train officers in areas such as use of force and racial bias, um, again, collecting oversight data, and promote the hiring of officers that demographically represent the community they serve. Um, that last one is one that's particularly close to my heart um, because of my relationship with the Black Shield and officers over there who talk about that being a major problem in the city of Cleveland where um, there are a lot of officers hired, but not a lot of officers hired that actually look like the people that are from the community. I'll give you another example here. Um, you know, I, I work with uh, getting the census information out. And one of the things the census is doing is that they are making sure they're hiring people from that community that are of that culture to get a better count because they, they've learned that if you're of that community and you're of that culture and people know you, they're more likely to give you the information and participate in the census. So it's the same thing with officers. We have more officers that are from these communities that speak that cultural language. We're gonna have better results as far as community uh, police relation goes. Yeah, and but I think that, well, I would say, I think that that's something that um, we need to look into too, just in general. And with what we do with officers is just having people from the actual community be a part of the actual police force. They have the relationships, with 
different people within the community. They grew up in the area. They know the community. So, and you can't just sit there and take any person that just went through the academy from anywhere that they want and throw them into a situation that they don't know. So I think that that's a key point. Yeah. So, um, you know, you got, you, when, this, when the Justice Act came out, you have uh, even black media. Um, there is a, a website called The Root that typically have never even acknowledged that Tim Scott exists, let alone agreed with him on anything. Um, and their essential uh, kind of crux of their article was that this bill, the Justice Act, does a lot more than what the Democrats bill does of uh, presenting a whole bunch more laws that we know that bad cops already break laws. Mm-hmm. So uh, by doing this, that the Democrats were essentially just creating more laws for bad cops to break. What Tim's bid bill did that was different and unique, and I love this. Um, was that it provided incentives and and, uh, uh, ramifications Mm -hmm. for not following these laws. Um, What he did was he basically connected funding with the proper treatment of African-Americans in their community, um, uh, making sure that police brutality was down, making sure that they were being transparent on all levels by connecting federal funding the same way that we did with during the war on drugs where we gave police officers extra money for uh, arresting, quote unquote, uh, drug dealers and users. Um, and that's how a lot of our police departments got so militarized. They got so much money. They got the tanks that you see, like Shaker Heights had a tank. Don't know why Shaker Heights had a tank, but I'm yeah. guessing they got it through federal funding. So um, Tim's bill actually did more, and this is what The Root was saying, um, did more to change how police are gonna interact by, by making sure that we are speaking to the thing they care about most, their funding. Um, and you know, for some reason, the Democrats, in all their wisdom, wouldn't even have a debate on the bill. Um, they, they actually voted against the debate, they voted against having input on the bill, um, and they just wanted to tackle it, um, or debt it, I should say, for, for, for political reasons, which is, absolutely disgusting to 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 say that you won't even have a debate shows that you don't want to make the bill better you don't want to find a solution you just don't want that messenger who happens to be a republican to get any type of win there and that is partisanship that is political chess at the cost of the people who need it the most jeff i mean we we talk about we talk about how we have to have change now and everyone is promoting the things that need to be done and how we need to make uh, this whole movement that we have going right now for better for everyone else. And I mean, I think that you hit it directly on the head is the simple fact that someone that was a Republican came up with a great idea of this change. And just because they have the Republican badge on their chest that they don't want to be a part of it. And it's sad. And these are the sort of things that need to change in my mind for us to keep moving forward I, 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 if, if it doesn't change if nothing if this keeps going on and we're gonna, just gonna sit there and try to use everything as a crutch for our political campaigns and stuff like that we're doomed yeah yeah i i think this is um I, and but i also want to flip it what if the president has said there's no coronavirus relief bill until i get reelected? what would have happened yeah, that would yeah, there would be there would be pitchforks and torches and it'd be it'd be the end. Yeah, it, you know, you thought we had riots before yeah. that would have been so I mean, so 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 what does this all mean? What it, Colin? OK, I know what happened to Tim Scott's bill. What do I do about it now as a listener? I'll tell you what you do. Um, the way politics works, the way the Senate works, the way government works, is that nothing is ever really dead. They call it zombie bills, where they keep coming back. And the only way that a zombie bill comes back uh, is we, the public, make calls to senators um, and our representative and tell them, hey, we still support this. So I, I'm encouraging everyone who can hear my voice right now um, to, one, talk to your Democratic friends let 
them know about the things the Democrats are doing with their lives on the line. That's very mm -hmm. important. Uh, two, reach out to your elected officials and tell them, hey, I still support the Justice Act. How can we do something about it? And three, don't let the, the, outri the outcry of emotions stop around police brutality and about the disease that happens to African-Americans um, and minorities. And anyone, really, when it comes to police officers, stop after one month. Um, this is the issue that is going to come back in the future. Mm -hmm. And again, as we said on the last episode about George Floyd, it's important that we as conservatives are on the right side of it. And just because this bill failed doesn't mean that we stop talking about it. Yeah. So yeah, I think it, we are. I agree. No, I said I agree with you. And I think it's key that we just anyone and everyone talk to every elected official that you know that you can have conversation with and just tell them, hey, what can we do to help this? Yeah. So uh, please, 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 everyone. Um, I know. I know these episodes are getting very heavy at the <laughs> end um, at times, but look. We need to support Tim Scott. Um, Tim Scott has the support of the president on this. So by supporting Tim Scott, you're supporting the president. Um, and, and you're also supporting Shea, who is, you know, every week coming with a narrative, whether it's just about George Floyd, whether it's just about um, uh, uh, the Justice Act, and, you know, or, or whether it's about Opportunity Zone. So uh, really, we need to keep pushing on this issue. Um, just because the bill failed doesn't mean the issue is dead. Um, but, you know, gosh darn it, those Democrats, they, you know, they, 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 Democrats don't care about black lives. I said it. There it is. There it is. That, that's what they proved to me last week. So um, tell a friend, let them know, and, and show them what really happened to Tim Scott's wonderful bill that actually um, did the things that Democrats are saying the dirty word defund the police Tim bill would have literally defunded bad quote let's let's say it again bad police officer what else do you want what else do you want so um we can't let this die we need to keep pushing it but me and Jeff wanted to come here and let you know that Democrats do not have your best interests at heart and they proved it last week on yep. the Senate floor I, I guess that's the episode, man. Episode 13, RPCC on air. Say it with me, Jeff. Ramon. Ramon. We'll be back if the Democrats don't hold up our bill and stop our voice from being heard. See you guys next time. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.